Welcome to Ocala Hustle. Today our guest is Rondo Fernandez, owner and operator of Mojo's, one of the most popular restaurants in town. Maybe the most popular restaurant in town. Here's the hoping. Yep, awesome. So just a quick introduction to Rondo. Four kids, mm -hmm. four restaurants, mm -hmm. a large catering company. Yes, sir. Very active in charitable work. Yes, sir. Okay, what am I leaving out? I'm exhausted just talking about it. Football coach. That's Football coach, yep, yes, that's right. So you're coaching D-line this year? Yes, sir. Awesome. Did you play? I did. I played at Lake Weir, man. And you played on the defensive line, offensive line? I played both, mostly offensive line. Awesome. And yes, your, sir. your son's playing D-line? He's playing both. He's playing both. Yes, sir. Chip off the old block. That he is. And wrestling? Yes, sir. So you mentioned that you guys wrestle in the kitchen, right? We do. Or around the house. That we do. Is he getting a leg up on the old man? Not yet. He's close. My, I, got, I got about another year. And he's how old? He, uh, he just turned 15 yesterday. My 16-year-old's playing football. Yeah. He came up behind me the other day and like gripped me like this. And yeah. I thought, well, that's cute. And I tried to get out and I couldn't. Yeah. And so I'm back in the gym now. Well, I fight dirty. Yeah, okay. There you go. You have to do it as a father, man. You got pressure points and you got to learn to... Immediately awesome. release buttons. He will not win. I, I got the will. That's that's yeah. the difference. I've got the will. They also make two by fours. Yeah, the good point. That's right. So now um, you had mentioned when we spoke before that you've kind of always had this drive and hustle. So talk to me a little bit about growing up. You didn't grow up around here, right? You grew up in Miami. Yeah, I moved up here when I was twelve. Okay. But um, you know, my whole life, I've always, I've always kind of had an entrepreneurial brain. Mm -hmm. You know, even at school, I was looking for ways to make money. I would take my lunch money and and um, go to the gas station on the way to school. Yeah. Um, even as a kid in elementary school, I would stop and I would get a bunch of candy with my lunch money, and then I would turn that into profit. You know, making cinnamon toothpicks and atomic fireballs and ventilators yeah. and uh, the Jolly Ranger sticks. You know, do I kids was, make the cinnamon sticks anymore? I remember no, those I toothpicks. Don't, I don't think they, I don't think they do. <laughs> that was the jam. I was selling for ten for a dollar, man. You know, awesome. And, and um, so, just my whole life, I've always been looking for ways to make money and to be financially independent. Right. You know, um, you coming into my first uh, in sixth grade, uh, my mom was. Um, my mom was a, a waitress at night and a bartender mm -hmm. at night. Um, so I took a job um, selling candy. You know, it was a, I was one of those kids that walked door to door selling right. a tote. You know, I'd get in this little uh, creepy looking white van. <laughs> and I must have been, man, maybe 11 years old. And she had dropped me off in the middle of Opelika and, it's crazy. Go, it is, man. I go door to door and, and I would sell the little, the little truffles and the mints sure. and the, the peanut clusters and, and uh, I would sell out, you know, and she'd drive me off home and give me my little bit of cash. And, and um, so my whole life uh, I've been doing things like that. If there's a down part of my day or my, or, or darn down part of my, whatever season I'm in, yeah. I would find a way to make money. Right. So did you, you feel like you learned a lot about sales in that candy selling business when you were a kid? Yeah, you had no choice, right? right? So you, you got, we didn't get paid um, anything unless we sold candy. So um, they gave us a little spiel on paper that we were supposed to read. And I think it was all a, <laughs> I think it was all a scam anyways, right. you know, but, but, um, and, and you just had to try different tactics for different people. And, and at 11 years old, I learned how to, you know, to do those types of things. It's <laughs> crazy. And it's really daunting to be 11 years old and, 
you know, and Opalaka. I'm not sure if you know too much about Opalaka, but it's not the it's not the the picturesque suburbs that sure. you would think it would be. And um, you know, knock on the door, and you have no idea who's going to answer it or how they're going to react. Or you know, luckily I had a big smile and and um, my little sales pitch, and and I was successful. So you learned what worked for you. Then did that translate later in life where you felt like okay, that really set a base for me to learn how? To- yeah, I guess I never really thought about it, but yeah. uh, but uh, you know now that you go back and look at it, is how could it not? You right. Know? It's, it's almost kind of like you know knocking door to door to to preach the gospel makes you a better preacher at some point in time of your yeah. life, you know, because you're taking down. You're not going to be shy right. once you go door to door. Once you do that door to door thing, um, any shyness or, or inhibitions you may have is right out the window, you know. Well, I know for for me as a you know, when I first started my business, my background's always been in operations. Mm-hmm. And I, I was kind of a, if you build it, they will come thought process. Like yeah. if you have a smooth and good operation, people will come knock on your door. No, that's not the case. Sales is a very challenging undertaking. And so it's taken me all these years to learn. So I think maybe that was a really good base for you to be an entrepreneur, mm-hmm. you know, is learning that early on how challenging sales can be and learning what mm-hmm. works for you. So when did you know that you wanted to own your own restaurant? Ever since I was a kid. Okay. You know, my mom used to take me to work with her uh, sometimes to her family restaurant that, that she worked at. And um, she would uh, give me my matchbox cars, my coloring book, and and put me in a closet called the dry storage closet. It's not really a closet, more of a room. And for those of you who don't know the dry storage closet, it's everything that's not fun in a restaurant, right? It's the mops and the towels and the paper goods. And I've uh, never been a good listener, yeah. right? Never, I've, I've always struggled with authority. And uh, so I would sneak out in the dining room. And, and if you can remember as a kid, have you ever played waiter or waiter? Sure. Or, um, I did that in real life. You know, so I would I would go to a table at, you know, six, seven years old and, and I was a cute little blonde kid, believe it or not. And um, <laughs> you weren't always bald, no, sir. And uh, and I realized at a young age that I love serving people. And and the more I made them smile, the more they gave me money. So mm. I was telling, I was telling jokes that I heard at show and tell. I was telling um, whatever I could, and just trying to make their their day. Sure. And 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 in my presence would um make them happy and yeah. I, I just love that feeling to serve people and to and to make them happy so i knew my whole life that um this is what i want to do remember i, I was addicted to making money so yeah. <laughs> so i was like man this is exciting stuff you know by serving people by making them laugh um by bringing them food um i can make i can make a pretty good living and then my mom as as we moved up and as i got older any restaurant she's ever worked at that needed an extra hand, I was a lucky guy. Um, and I say lucky guy in a very sarcastic way. Sure. But, you know, so, sometimes it was washing dishes and, and um, uh, doing the worst of the worst jobs yeah. at, at the restaurant. And um, while I was kicking and screaming back then, uh, it's, more, it's some of the most valuable working experience that, that I can definitely I can ever recommend anybody having. Yeah. No, I think that I think that's great. It's one of the things we had talked about was that, you know, you can do and have done every single job yes, in sir. your restaurants. Yes, sir. So, you know, if somebody's not telling you something that's right, you know when something's off because yes, you've you've done it. So what was your journey then in the restaurant world? Like when did you get your, you know, first job as a waiter and then how did that kind of progress? Yeah, I've always been in a restaurant with, with okay. my mom being there. So even through high school you know, I would bust tables on the weekends. Yeah. I was her back, um, her back waiter. You know, she worked at a fine dining place in Leesburg, and and um, and when I got my when I when I moved away from her, 
Um, I applied at two locations the same exact day that they were opening up. One was the Ocala Ale House, mm-hmm. and one was in the Villages. Okay. And uh, the Ale House didn't hire me, so I went to work in the Villages. And um, and uh, I started off busting tables, and 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 like I said, I'm, I was addicted to money. So right. I was a hustler, man. Yeah. I mean, I was almost waiting on the tables for my servers. You know what I mean? I was serving the tables for yeah. my servers. And as a buster, I was I was making really good money. I mean, I was I was um, I was to the fact that my servers didn't really have to do anything but just be personable to the tables right. because I wanted them to make the money because the more money they made, the more money I made. Yeah. And um, and then finally, I got my my uh, my first job to serve tables. My first shot at it from a buster. You always want to you know move up. Right. And so um, I was real nervous. I remember talking to my mom. I was real nervous that first day. Uh, and she goes, you gotta be kidding me. Why are you nervous? Right. You no know? kidding. You've done it your whole hey, life. Yes, sir. So, um, so I started waiting tables in the villages and, uh, and uh, it was, it was awesome. It was fun. It was exciting. Um, the, um, but I always knew I wanted to open up my own restaurant. Mm-hmm. So even though I was, I was waiting tables as a full time job waiting tables, cause I had kids at a very young age. Mm-hmm. Um, so even when I was busting tables, I was, I was raising my kid, right. you know, and, um, and uh, so even though I knew I wanted to be, I wanted to, I was doing a full-time job, uh, uh, the villages put me through culinary school in, uh, in Eustis. It was Lake Votech. And so I'd, I'd work full-time serving. And then I was also, it was an apprenticeship program. Okay. So we had to, um, uh, we had to cook in different restaurants. So I would go and cook um, and learn, learn the kitchen. Like different culinary style restaurants, or was it just different? Uh, you know, similar. Style? Yeah, all the restaurants in the villages back then were um, were similar, right? They're all okay. kind of country clubs, you know. Right. So, um, but I've always uh, so we had to cook at school, and then we also had to cook in in the restaurant okay. as well, and um, and just try to learn from as many people as possible. You know, I've seen I've seen um, owners, I've seen uh, managers be handcuffed mm-hmm. by employees. Because they don't know how to do that job. Oh, sure. You know, uh, you can, it's hard to hold somebody accountable when you can't tell them to go home. Definitely. You know. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, and plus, it's a respect builder. You know, um, I love cooking with my guys. Um, I love I love uh, grinding with them, banging with them, whatever yeah. you want to call it, mm-hmm. um, because that builds respect. You know, we opened up Leesburg. Um, I cooked, I, I didn't leave the kitchen for the first two weeks, you know, um, cooking with those guys right. and, and, um, and just trying to gain their respect. And, and plus we had to, it was, uh, right. it was a, but I'm sure yeah. it built a great base relationship yeah. with this kind of restaurants geographically, it oh, you know, away from you. Right. Yeah. It's not normal that the owner comes and cooks with you. you know? Totally. Yeah. Uh, I don't get to do it so much now, but, but it's something that I miss. Right. You know, sorely. Yeah. You know, that's, I mean, so I know that. You celebrated 11 years recently. Yeah. Congratulations. That's Thank you. incredible. Just coincidentally, I think you opened in July of 2009. Mm-hmm. We started in August of 2009. So we're coming up on 11 years. Yeah. But you say you miss cooking. I remember yeah. coming through the small restaurant and seeing you yeah. uh, behind the grill. And that was always so cool. So that, that gets a little ahead of us. So then um, I can't imagine. So you're working as a busser and then as, as a waiter with a family to support, and then you're gonna open a restaurant. Man, so how did you put all that together to be able to open the restaurant? Yeah, well, I left um, I left the Villages in uh, 99, and I got hired by the Ale House. Yep. <laughs> and um, and uh, it was pretty crazy how, how um, 
how I'd started to succeed in the house. You know, I, I went from kind of being a nobody in the yeah. Ocala area to to having a, the busiest section. Basically, my section at the L House was Mojo's. Yeah. You know, and and I always knew I, I would I would tell people every single day. I mean, you can talk to people now and they're like, man, I heard it so much I just stopped believing it, you know. But um, so I met some people at the L House that just kind of believed in me and said, man, if you ever go to start something, uh, we'll partner up with you and, okay. and start something. Um, so my last year at the L house, I was, my guys were making, uh, Rondo's food. Right. You know, so I was teaching the kid. One of the guys was my roommate. The main kitchen guy was my roommate. Mm. And, um, and I was teaching the L house kitchen staff how to make my food. Yeah. And I would try it out on the guy. Hey, try this. When I open up Rondo's, I'm going to have this and this. Well, and it's this. crazy to me. So that, when was your last, what was the last year you were at the L house? 2005. I mean, so that's been 15 years. I still mm-hmm. see people comment in your Facebook feed yes, and stuff sir. about being at, at the Ale House. So I yes, mean, sir. you made an impression on people clearly. Mm-hmm. So you were putting out there that, hey, I'm going to open a restaurant. And you, the plan wasn't there. But by putting that out there, you connected with folks mm-hmm. that helped you make that happen. That's pretty cool. Yes, sir. Yeah, so then 2005, we opened up Rondo's, which is a little spot um, yeah. across from the mall there. I remember it. And and it quickly rose to being very popular. Mm-hmm. Um, but that was a lot of hard work, man. I mean, I remember uh, me and my entire staff, remember, we didn't have social media back then. Oh, yeah. Right? So right. There were, MySpace didn't even start yet. Yeah. So no Facebook, no Twitter, none of that. So our, our social media was... Um, uh, texting people so i remember sitting there with my staff we'd have about six of us we'd be out in the dining room just texting everybody we could to come visit come visit come visit and then um and even the first day we opened i didn't even have recipes um down for my stuff so if somebody ordered something my cook would be hey man how does that mean so i would just make it for him right (laughs) then and there and um and uh it was just a, a challenging time you know but we got to be very successful very quick and we opened up our second location, right. which was absolutely crazy, nuts, uh, busy. And um, and just lost focus, man. Yeah. Started believing the hype, you know, um, uh, letting a, a bad culture set around me, you know, letting the bar business. If you're not mm-hmm. careful in the bar business, the, the bad culture can get set in really, really quick. So that's a, that's something I don't have any exposure mm-hmm. to, but I guess that makes sense. So sure. you're, you just have to be really guarded about how that Gross because you want your bar to be full every night, but yeah. you have to be careful about kind of how it's filling up. Yeah. yeah you got to be sober too, right? So um, I had a bad problem with that, mm. you know? So I would work, I would work hard about five or six and that was clock out time for me. And then I would start throwing a party mm. and I was always really, really good at throwing a party, yeah. you know? Um, and, uh, and you can't manage, you can't manage a business drunk, you right. know? Um, I'm a true testament to that, you know? I mean, I would have managers working, but, you know, you can't be a business owner and you can't be uh, uh, not focused when you're in your business. And sure. that was a big lesson for me. Um, and I lost I lost I lost uh, focus on my dream. You know, I, I set a bad culture around me. Um, I wasn't doing the right things. And and ultimately, uh, in 2000, uh, September 27th, 2007, mm. uh, my world came crashing down. Man, I got raided by everybody who had three initials on their chest and very publicly. I got arrested yeah. in front of probably about 400 people. Front pages, paper, uh, TV, yeah. 20 news, all those, all those fun things. And it just set me, it just set me back huge. You know, I'd, uh, one of the things that broke my heart the most was I've always coached football. I always coached my kids. 
Um, and I was asked not to coach my my team anymore. Right. So I had to go to my I had to go to my my players and let them know that Coach Rondo wasn't going to be able to coach him anymore. And that was really hard for me. You know, my daughter, um, uh, my kids were getting bullied in school for who their dad was. Right. I took about two weeks and, and really had a woe is me uh, pity party. And, uh, and then I realized that I didn't lose everything. I lost what was not important to me, you know, and, and I had four kids and a, and a beautiful wife that was looking at me on how I was going to react. Sure. You know, so I, I set about trying to prove to them that I'm not the monster that the media and, and everybody else says it is yeah. or, or how to overcome adversity. You know, I had, I had the opportunity to teach them a lesson. Um, I had an opportunity to learn my own lesson too. And so I, I said, man, I, I got to go back to, to making money and I'm going to go the way I know how, and that's going to be waiting tables, you know, and that was a challenge. It's amazing to me mm-hmm. because for so many people, that's where the story would set, would end, yeah. you know, would be, woe is me down on my luck. You know, you, you said nobody'd hire you in Ocala. Yeah, you know, I went from being what I thought was Mr. Hospitality in Ocala, you know, uh, leading the sales everywhere I've ever been and, and um, you know, running restaurants based on the mm-hmm. way I serve tables, you know. Uh, I mean, not many servers get to open up their own restaurant based on the way that they serve right. uh, their guests. And uh, so I reached out to a bunch of restaurants in Marion County and nobody would hire me. Mm. They wouldn't even talk to me or interview me. And... Um, so that was a humbling experience, sure. you know. So I had to go back to the villages. Um, a buddy of mine opened a restaurant, had a restaurant in the villages, and, and he hired me on the spot. But that was a very humble experience. Put sure. that apron back on was a very humbling experience. You, you had to take a big step back. You're a mm. successful business owner, restaurant owner, running the party every night. And now you've gone back to, were you waiting tables at that time? Yeah, I went back to waiting tables, okay. you know, in the villages. And um, it was humbling. You know, sure. because I knew a lot of people in the villages from my time in the villages. Um, uh, the restaurant I worked at was very popular, especially at night. So a lot of the people would come down there and, and they would be shocked to see me. And they would sure. make the comment that I didn't want to hear, you know, like, man, what are you doing here? And right. it's like, well, I'm feeding my family, man, yeah. you know. So um, I opened up a catering company at the same time <clears throat> because I've always loved catering. <clears throat> and for the first year nobody wanted anything to do with me mm-hmm. so the only way that i can be able to cater something was to be able to give my food away to donate my food uh, oftentimes you know the 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 people on the board would be like, hey rondo man i really wanted you man but nobody right. they didn't want anything to do with you i got voted down you know i was kind of like um nobody wanted anything to do with mm-hmm. me at all so but if i gave my food away that would that would give them at least the opportunity to say well he's giving us the food right so can't say no no so i would wait tables <clears throat> And then I would take that money and then I would buy food so I could give it away so I could be a part of of that that whatever event is that I right. thought would help help me get to where I'm at. So I did that for almost two years, man. I I, I gave away at least fifty percent of the food that wow. um that I catered. And then um uh in two thousand nine I was able to um, to open up the little mojo spot. I had a really good friend of mine, a uh, buddy of mine, that just believed in me. Yeah. And um, and he uh, he asked me how much I needed. Uh, I I I was way off on my budget that I thought <laughs> I needed, uh, but he gave me the money to uh, to open up my first little spot of mojos. So and how did that? So when did you start thinking about I'm going to open another restaurant? The day that I lost Rondos. Okay. So immediately you're thinking, this is temporary. I yeah. will be back. Yeah. Wow. What, what what a spirit you have just to say, look, I don't care what's going on. I'm going to be successful. Yeah. So then 
when did you start planning for the new restaurant? So that immediately. Um, sure. But the, the friend comes and says, I'll back you. Mm-hmm. So July 2009, you mentioned this the other day, and I can't remember. You said it was how many seats or how many tables? Yeah, we had 12 tables in there and yeah. 12 employees. And, um, and the day that I turned my open sign on, I had $50 in the bank. Wow. You know, and if you talk to any, any, um, any business plan writers, that's not the way to do it. No. <laughs> um, so, and, and for the first couple of years, man, I struggled, man. I was using my sales tax money to, to pay bills right. and then paying the, um, the interest and everything on that and paying that back. That's stressful. Yeah. And it's, and it's 10% too. Sure. So it was quite costly as well. And I remember, um, you know, not having the money to pay the electric bill, so the electric bill, electric get cut off. Oof. And then we would put a sign on the window, and I'm sure some of you guys listening are gonna are gonna remember seeing the sign. You might even see the sign. And I would say, you know, door closed due to plumbing or restaurant, you know, plumbing issues. So we would go it was out. The electric. Yeah, we would go out and and try to find the money to to cover the the electric. And when we did, we'd have a plumbing issue that yeah. would close the door, wow. and it was just. Um, just constant. That was just that constant. But it made us who we are today, you know. So I remember we would we were two blocks up the street. Mm-hmm. So we would come in there a couple times a week. And like I said earlier, one of my favorite things, we'd walk in and you were behind the grill and we'd greet everybody that came in. But just seeing that, you know, you owning the business but you're working your tail off as like someone coming in to, to sure. eat at the restaurant, it was very inspiring. Like I knew, okay, when I go support, you know, Mojo's. Yeah. I'm supporting this guy that's working his butt off. And so I think that, you know, you had, one of the things we talked about was replicating, you know, Mojo's. One of the challenges is replicating Rondo in mm-hmm. Mojo's. So that's something you're working towards as you, as you kind of add restaurants. Yeah, especially now, you know, I'm almost, I'm almost never in the restaurant. I'm more in yeah. the office, and and I'm um, just really relying on my management team to, you know, it's the passion, right? How do you replicate your passion? And sure. I, I don't think any any owner of any business has ever found somebody who's going to be passionate about their business the way they are. It's challenging. So you sure. have to you have to um, find out what you're okay with and, and what you're not okay with, and and what's doable and what's not doable. Because sometimes your passion can be very exhausting to your leadership team. Definitely. You know? yep. And uh, and I'm not the operational guy that you are. I'm the vision caster, mm-hmm. man. I'm a free spirit. I'm a, I'm a parrot, you know. And um, so while you had to learn how to be the salesperson, I got I, I'm in the middle of having to learn how to be the, the operational sure. person and, and how to be a, a, a owner of a, of, a, a, of a big company now. Yeah. You know. No, I can relate. I, mm-hmm. So. What I've learned through reading and, and some of the stuff that I that I've that I've studied a little bit about being an entrepreneur and being successful in trying to grow your business is generally speaking the the visionary the person that starts the business is exhausting for those that mm-hmm. are trying to I- implement all of your ideas and, exactly right. and so it's so hard to like communicate that vision to be able to say here's what I'm seeing. And be disciplined enough not to move to that next idea mm-hmm. before that that last one's in place. Yeah. So no, I totally get it. So 2009, terrible economy. How was it starting a restaurant in in sort of that environment? It's horrible. Yeah. You know what? You know what really killed us um, was Taylor Bean and Whitaker. Yeah. Because we were getting 30 to 40 employees from them, which everybody's like, hallelujah, right? There's no. a bunch of people out there, but there's a bunch of people out there that are like, yeah, that killed me too, man. I to... Well, I worked there. Oh, did you? Yeah. Yeah, yeah so when that went down, um, that hit us hard. Because sure. we were getting 30 to 40 employees from there, 
every day. Yeah, you know, um, sure. but other than that, it was it was it was good for us. You know, um, to have a small footprint because it wasn't hard to fill twelve tables. Right. You know, we had a really good following. You yeah. know, that's why I kept the Rondo's menu because mm-hmm. I knew it worked. Uh, we just needed to operate it better. You know, and make some changes and uh, and make some changes with myself too. Mm-hmm. You know, but it was it was uh, it was great to be able to to be small, and then we grew quick again, right? Yeah. So in two thousand, right at right in the beginning of two thousand and eleven, uh, we opened up in Bellevue. Yeah. You know, okay. and then after that, it was just uh, gasoline on. In a match, we just exploded. You know, we went to the, we went by the police department. Then we we moved to a bigger spot in Bellevue. Then we moved to a bigger spot in Ocala. Then we opened up another one in Ocala. And, you know, so I guess I had gotten my timing mixed up. So you were still in the spot downtown when Bellevue opened. Yep. Okay. And where did you, so from downtown the place you're talking about? You were in the the where the zone is that shopping yeah. center. Yeah, that was after downtown, but we had Bellevue open before that. Okay. All right. Mm-hmm. And then. Where did you go from the, was that, you went from where, it, uh, that shopping center to where you are now on 200 yep. or mm-hmm. behind? Okay. Yeah. All right. You know, the great thing about that building that I'm at now at, at Target. So as a kid, I want to say that Roadhouse opened up there probably about 92, mm-hmm. right around there. Uh, I graduated in 93, but I remember, um, we barely came to Ocala because I lived way out in the scrubs, but, uh, I would drive by that building and be like, man, I want to have a restaurant there. I want to have a restaurant wow. there. I just loved the way the Roadhouse was mapped out. You know, Roadhouse for us was um, like a special occasion place, I guess kind of like an sure. Outback was, you mm-hmm. know, as a, as a teenager. I would walk in there and uh, I remember the, the, the guy the guy who was grilling the steaks actually worked for me. Oh, you're you know? kidding. <laughs> yeah, so cool. it was pretty cool. You know, they had the open thing, they're cutting the steaks, man, just the layout of it. And I was like, man, I would, it would be such a dream of mine to be able to have a restaurant there and to, and to know that I have a restaurant there now is um, it's something I don't forget about. You know, it's something that when I walk in there every single day, it still hits me how blessed I am to be able to, to live my dream. You know, when somebody asks me what my goals are, I can't tell you, man, because I have to come up with new goals just about yearly. You know, because you're achieving your goals. We are achieving uh, my goals, right. our goals. You know, I'm well definitely said. not doing it by myself, man. Sure. I have a, a wonderful team, man, I, and I have a God that that that, that reaches out and He comforts me and He He gives me what what He thinks um, I can handle. Yeah, and, that's um, incredible. So I, I, every day I just count my blessings. I guess is the best way to say it. You know. When, when I walk into that restaurant, it's like, you know, not only do I have the other three, but for some reason that, that oh, store means a lot to me. It is. So then what was that day like that you, you know, opened your doors in that building? Was it uh, surreal? We didn't have time to be surreal. Um, too, too busy. We must have had 600 people there at our ribbon cutting, you know. Wow. <laughs> it, was, it was nuts. Um, you know, we took over a failing restaurant called Tango's, which is an Argentinian mm-hmm. spot. And... Um, and we kept the other one by the police department open at the same exact time. And what we had to do was have a good night there to be able to paint the walls of the new one. And we had to have a good okay. weekend there to be able to patch the booths, uh, you know. And so it was slow that's, going. That's you crazy. Know? It was, um, and that's how close. And when we opened up that one downtown, or the, the one right now, again, we were very close in the bank. Yeah. <laughs> you know, wow. We didn't, we didn't have any reserves. You know, if we would if we would have tanked or something bad would have happened, or even if they would have held us up one more week from inspection, we probably would have been belly up. You no know? kidding. We didn't have the money to make that bridge. I mean, I, I, I think... I don't know if every business owner, but I feel like my experience similar. There were times where it's like, man, if this doesn't come through, then I'm going back to work, you know, yeah. at, a, at somebody for somebody else. Yes, um, so that's, but it's just crazy how thin that margin was. 
So sleepless nights. Yeah, and you got to think too, man. I wasn't Christian back then either, so I was kind of running on on Rondo power. Mm. That's a whole lot different than running on God power. Sure. You know? So uh, a lot more peace, man, when right. you have when you have Christ in your heart, you know. But so yeah, man, a lot of sleepless nights, you know. But I've never I've never been a, a worrier, right? If that makes sense. Yeah. Um, I've always been. I'll, I'll take it as it, as it comes. You know, I don't understand. Uh, people worrying about something up into a frenzy. Uh, in my life, the, the other shoes always dropped, <laughs> you know, at some point in time. Right. Um, so I don't, I don't know if, if, if going through those hardships has helped me get to that point, you know. But, but if you spend, if you wasting your, to me, worrying about something is wasting your time. Sure. You know, I, you know, even with my kids, I don't worry about when they leave if they're going to get an accident or. And I've seen parents that are like right. that, you know, and they can't sleep at night. It's like you have to trust that. That what you've done or, or where you're going is is good enough. If not, then then you face it. You know, if you start worrying about facing it before it even becomes a, a reality, that's just going to wear you out. I agree with you in concept, but in practice, it's hard. Yeah, man. So so we did a 5K one time, and there was a, a blueberry something or that. I forgot who who the benefactor was for it, but it was it was not on paved streets, man. It was like through a farm. And man, I'm going on rocky roads. We went through a horse uh, thing, and and man, it was it was it was the most ch- physically challenging thing I've ever done in my whole life. So then, right before the end of it, right, I'm I'm really seriously about to quit. I mean, yeah. I've, I've had a conversation with God. I've had a conversation <laughs> with myself. I've had a conversation with people I didn't even know and mentally. And um, here's this huge hill. I mean, a big grassy hill. And I started. I went to take it on, man. And and I'm looking up at the hill. And I am a fraction away from quitting. I mean, sure. I want to quit. And I'm already looking about where I can quit or I can sit down or I can get a drink. And then finally I said to myself, I just looked down. So I just looked at the grass and I just started trucking, man. And I, all, I didn't lift my head not one time. I just looked at the, the blade of grass in front of me and the blade of grass in front of me. And next thing you know, I was at the top of the hill. Sure. And the rest of it was downhill from there. And it was an emotional time for me because I never pushed myself to that other than football. You know, yeah. I've never pushed myself to that point and um and it taught me a very valuable lesson you know sometimes you can look like what you said you're looking at this this big old mountain mm-hmm. which seemed like at the time uh to me looking at that big mountain had me worried up to a point where i i just knew i couldn't make it yeah. and i was going to quit you know but instead i just looked down and i just concentrated on each step in front of me and it got me to the top of the hill and uh, that was an important mess- learning experience for me. It's a great analogy for life. Mm-hmm. Yeah. One of my favorite sayings is, you know, how do you eat an elephant? It's one bite at a time. Amen. And that's when you're looking at the whole thing, it looks daunting, it looks impossible, but when you break it down to that simple step, that's a great yeah. physical representation yeah. of that. And ketchup, man. I imagine elephants got to be good with ketchup. There right? you go. Now, uh, <laughs> any more 5Ks since then? No, man, that was my last one. <laughs> I just need to ask more questions, you know. So I've started couch to 5K like four or five times, and I've yeah. just said, forget it. Yeah. So, um, can't get it done. Now, one of the things that I wanted to kind of talk through was, yeah, I remember when you were opening the 40 location, and it was Horse and Hounds, Mojo's is coming out there, and it just seemed to get stalled. So what were the challenges involved with that, and how did you overcome that? Yeah, so um, another thing, man, just running my business the way I knew how, and I was in a chaotic mm-hmm. fashion. So just like I said, I was never good in operations. You know, I've always been the vision guy. So taking, I was taking advantage of every opportunity that was thrown at me, you know, even though they were causing me to lose money and mm. 
and not focus on running what I had, what God had put in front of me. You know, we moved out to Ocala National. We signed all at one time. We moved out to Ocala National, signed up in Gainesville, and then uh, signed a lease with Horse and Hounds. And that was probably the stupidest thing I've ever done in my whole life. You know, uh, it costed me probably about a million dollars trying to uh, make up for all those losses. You know, uh, we've paid everybody back to the dollar, which is huge for me. But we had to, you know, I had to make a decision to, okay, we got to make a hard decision to get out of Cal National. Mm -hmm. Uh, We got to give up the lease that we have in Gainesville. Um, And not only that was that a challenge for us, but uh, the construction, you know, some of the uh, uh, the stuff was was supposed supposed to remain into the building. You know, your hood systems, your Mm walk-ins, all that stuff. Um, and the previous tenant yanked it all out. Mm. And that was unforeseen to us. Right. And so that was a huge cost. I mean, you're talking about another $100,000 that that we didn't have right. that it was going to take. So we were really, really, really close to giving up on that lease as well. Um, and that would have been a really tough challenge for our company. Sure. Because we would have faced some legal issues. And, and um, Well, not only that, didn't you say that's that's now a great location for you guys? It's our number one location. Right. Yeah, we were really, really close to not opening up 40 and yeah. just concentrating on Bellevue and, mm-hmm. and the one by Target. Um, and we opened up the one uh, on 40. Uh, I think it's, it's a really beautiful location. Sure. And uh, But it took, like I said, it took us a year to, to get it going. And, and that's part of the, the million dollars that we lost was keeping that going and trying to, try to go. So 2014 was just a, a really, really bad year for me and for us. And so how did you make that decision? You're at a point where you're saying, okay, we can either pull the plug or we can push through. Yeah. So what was that decision process like? Uh, it made better financial decision. It made better financial sense to open it okay. because we were going to face some pretty big legal problems for us. Um, so it was cheaper for us to open it than it was for us to not open it. Okay. Um, so uh, I, I wound up partnering with um, with uh, Ken Kirkpatrick and Tim mm-hmm. Dixon. Uh, you'll know those guys, they, they run a, a management company that, that manages and owns um, the Sunnies Group. Right. You know, I was, like I said, I've always been really bad at operations. Uh, I've been good at the, the guest experience. Um, the promotion, the, the atmosphere, food. all that stuff. Yep. But when it came to all the back office stuff and the accounting and all the HR and all that stuff, I was doing a horrible job mm-hmm. at it. So I was spending a lot of money trying to recreate the wheel that they have. Mm-hmm. We worship together. Uh, we were in a small group together, so that's how I got to meet those guys. So I asked for them to, to, uh, to do my back office stuff uh, for a year. That whole year that we didn't open up 40 was yeah. kind of a... A trial period of how we could work together if we were ever to sure. become partners, and um, it wound up becoming a great partnership. So in 2015, we became partners in a man. It's called Mojo Management. It's a management yeah. company that mo- that manages restaurants. So we're hoping there's going to be more concepts in that. But oh, cool. um, but yeah, but God just put those guys in my life at the sure. right time. They helped me, you know, um, really stable the ship and uh, really come up with a plan on how to pay that million dollars back. You know, okay. and. and and uh, and we did it. We you know 2015. So you know to me that's another time where I had to start my life over again. Mm. You know from 2009 I had to start my life over again. In 2014 I had to start my life over again. You know because I lost I lost everything again. Right. And we just we just set out a, a really good roadmap. Everybody we owed money to, um, we gave them a map. And it was tough because some of the people we owed money to 
they weren't going to get paid for eight months. Mm. We showed them. We're like, yeah. <laughs> we're like this this person has priority. There's IRS and all those people. You know, they have priority. They have priority. So there was, you know, my food vendor had priority. Absolutely. You know, but I showed them in that map. And what was really important is that we didn't veer off that that map yeah. the entire time. You know, so when we say we're going to pay somebody, we paid somebody. When we said it would, we were to to the T, and we paid everybody back. And 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 that was huge for our company. Yeah, it was huge for our the people inside our company to see that incredible that we had that integrity and and our food vendors and everybody else. Um, are are just great partners to us. Yeah. You know? So, so um, business ownership is definitely an ebb and flow, right? Yeah. I, I've, I've, I've been in a hole, yeah. maybe not not quite as deep, yeah. but it's scary. You know, you're in this hole. You you have your family relying on you, but then you have every single person that works with you. Their family's relying yeah. on you, and so just adds a lot of weight. So there's highs, but there's definitely some lows. Yeah, and we've and we've. Um, We've kind of did like a little halfway audit, and there's you know there's there's almost a thousand people relying on us. Wow. You know, if you talk about not only my employees, but you know we have employees that are raising their brothers or sisters, their right. aunts or uncles, their grandparents, their mom. Absolutely. You know, if you add that in, there's you know a thousand over a thousand people that are that are relying on Mojo's to be successful. You know, in this community for sure. You know, so. Well, I, I'm I'm relying on you for like I went Friday then, for the chicken wings. That's so. I'm talking about, bro. Yeah, that's right. So um, one of the things that I thought was kind of almost humorous you had hired a, a consultant to come in and you guys just redid the the logo and you said one of the questions they asked was so your name is mojo's grill but where's the grill right were there other things like that that you said okay I, maybe you you missed as the owner that they brought to your attention that you're kind of like oh great question yeah um it was great it was a restaurant branding company mm -hmm. that came up with that logo yep. right there a uh, very expensive logo, by the way. <laughs> well, it's very nice. It is very nice. Um, you know, it's just uh, you know all the multicolors that we had. Um, learning that that was tough to read. Mm. Um, you know, we did a focus group, and they called it elementary, and they called it a Mexican oh. place, and they oh. called it hard to read. It was the Mexican place, but the hard to read and it was all that—that that was probably elementary. Tough. Yeah, you know, it looks like a kid did it. You know, while in Marion County, everybody recognized the, the rainbow colored kind of yep. deal and, and the the shape of it. Um, in Leesburg, you know, in Lake County, our first our first time we ventured out of yeah. Marion County, it was tough for them to read. It was, mm -hmm. and then in, in Mojo Grill, we don't grill anything. Right. You know, we we grill our burgers and, and some of our wings. You know, other than that, you know, we don't have steaks, we don't have chops, we don't have you know. So that was confusing to people. Um, and just the the logo itself was just needed to get redone. Everybody sure. already called the place Mojo's, Mojo's. anyway. Yeah. So having a grill and catering company, you know, it was it was tough to hear their their feedback on our logo. Right. You know, and how does it it was great to work with them because not only that, but they also gave us branding filters. You know, our colors, you know, so everybody who does our colors, we were struggling with that. Every time we got a new printer or a new mm. uh, clothing you yeah, know, know, the you colors mean. were different yeah. or there was an outline on one. So right. now we have a a tool that we can use to make sure that our branding is exact, that uh, that it's what fits in our brand. Right. You know, we yep. have we have uh, these these filters that fits. Is it, does it fit in the food? Does it fit in the music? Does it fit in the soul? You know, so soul is also the community too, mm -hmm. and the faith aspect. So 
Um, that was feedback for them too. Like I had John 316 on every single one of my menus. Um, and for those of you watching, you know John 316, it just means you're loved, right? So yeah. Yeah, God loves you. So yeah. that was really important. So um, we did John 316 every menu and their feedback was that, that it might not be so in inclusive to people and it might be a turnoff to people. We have a cross hanging in some of our restaurants, sure. you know. So they said, you know, like Chick-fil-A, everybody knows Chick-fil-A is Jesus chicken, mm -hmm. right? Um, but they don't have a cross and they don't, they right. don't, so they let their actions speak for them to they let live them know it. that sure, they, that they makes live sense. it. So I wasn't, I wasn't, I wasn't entirely excited about just trying to live it. I wanted also to be in there. So yeah. that's why we have the faith, um, based obviously you have a halo and angel wings around the M and in the soul part. And then every, every one of my restaurants will have 200 does, you know, if you look, if you pull up to 200, it says you are loved real mm. big. So that's based off of John 316, right? Yeah. So you can say something like that, but you don't have to hit them with the scripture, you know? And on the other side, it says, let, let your, let your soul shine. Sure. So, and that's, that's Matthew 516. So, <clears throat> you know, where it, where it talks about, uh, the you the, the salt and the light of the earth, sure. you know. So, so I get to take those cool, and it's also a great. It's also a great almond brother, almond brother too. <laughs> so, so we get to take some things like that and and fit it in. You know, we have the we have the Leonard Skinner quote uh, from Simple Man, where it says, "Don't forget, son, there's someone up above." Mm, yeah. You know, so just those Look types of favorite. little things. Yeah. yeah, we do those little side punches with the faith. But it was great to do a restaurant, a branding company, to yeah. hear their perspective on that. Well, it's a great transition to one of the things I wanted to touch on, and that is. I would and I would say and I hadn't hadn't like kind of thought of this or put this together sure. but you definitely and Mojo's definitely lives that part of the mission or, or of you know the soul and being a soul of the community you know I was thinking through as I was preparing all of the different charitable you know um, organizations you're a part of but also you know trunk or treat you know which we participated in this sure. year is huge i couldn't believe yeah. the number of people that were and you know and this was at 40 do you do it it was it just mainly just at 40. okay boy it was it was tremendous the number of people that were there so um the rock so that's is that an organization that you started or okay can you tell us a little bit about the rock and the mission sure so the rock um basically was uh is a classroom uh, on school property we mm -hmm. have 10 uh, that a, a kid can get a pass from a teacher and get food, clothing, hygiene, feminine hygiene, school supplies. Um, when they walk in there, they're met with a, a volunteer um, who takes them around, takes them shopping, uh, talks to them, mm -hmm. um, mentors them a little bit if they need to. And, um, and we see about 400 kids a day wow. um, during school. And um, the reason why I started was my experience in growing up. You know, we grew up out, out, out in the scrubs. Uh, if you guys don't know where the scrubs are, it's almost to, towards Umatilla, you know, okay. down 42 over Nelson's Fish Camp, okay. behind Buck and Does over there. So, <laughs> wow, it's out there. Uh, yeah, yeah. And a kid coming up from Miami, a Cuban kid coming up from Miami and moving into the scrubs was a huge, huge eye opener for me. Mm. But, you know, what it did, it opened up my eyes to rural poverty mm. and how, how, how the lack of hope and, and the despair that is in that community, you know, it's a, um, uh, there's no trash service, you know, so uh, they're trash. If you don't have a car that can take uh, the garbage five miles down the road to the compactor, basically what you do is you open up your door and you throw it outside. Mm, so wow. big mounds of trash in front of yards is, is, a, is a constant, you know, uh, plywood floors, uh, no windows, uh, tarps on the roof, uh, no pest control. So going wow. over a buddy's house, German cockroaches are just part of the landscape. You know, when you get silverware, you just know you're going to have to wash it off. Mm. Uh, and then meth hit out there. So we have kids that are 
going home, they're cooking meth for their parents or selling meth for their wow. parents. They're hooked on meth themselves, um, prostituting themselves. Parents are prostituting their children. Um, and it's just a, it's just a huge uh, problem. Um, it was going to be impossible for us to be able to go out into the forest and impact everybody. Right. So what we decided to do is, is have a, a place of refuge at the school called The Rock. And we opened up our first one at Lakewood High School where I went to school. And, and very quickly it became very popular. Mm. So they were coming in just for refuge. Sure. You know, sometimes that 10 minutes that during The Rock was the, the best part of their day. You know, the volunteers become part of their life. We've helped kids get braces because they have a, a speech impediment. They're getting mm. bullied. You know, we had girls that were missing school because they didn't have feminine hygiene. Right. So you have these girls that are missing these periods of time. Um, and at some point in time, they just drop out. Wow. And um, so we take care of all that. Uh, glasses. You know, we have students that, that come with cracks and rubber bands and tape. We had one kid that didn't have one. He only had one lens for two years. And it's impossible for those kids to be who God called them to be when they're lacking for those basic oh. needs. So we take care of glasses, partnered up with some great um, businesses that help us do the glasses. And, and it's, it's, it's changed the culture of the schools. You know, the kids now can, uh, we call it um, um, giving them hope for the future by giving them power in the presence. And you can't tell these kids it's going to be okay. If, if they're starving right now or they're oh, no they're being abused wow. and all that type of stuff. So so that's how The Rock started. It, it really went great um, at Lake Weir and then we went to North Marion and then, and then um, you know, the most popular one is probably the, the one at Forest High School. You know, they asked us to open up where the, in the same room the shooting happened. Mm. So just about every rock room that we've been given has been a negative room. It's been ISS or uh, where the shooting happened. So we've been able to take a, a room that has a negative vibe to it uh and turn it into something positive you know yeah. and, and provide so now we have kids that are are ministering to other students you know they're That's becoming student-led yeah so what it's done it's, it's allowed for the conversations to happen it's shine light on on the fact that, that the kid next to you can be struggling yeah you know so now we have kids the best thing is man when you have another kid uh, bringing another kid and go look right. man here you can have this you can have that so it gives them a purpose as well it's, how's that funded? Is it 100% private? Yeah, it's all private funds. Okay. It's, it's me knocking on doors again yeah. with my little tote right. of candy. <laughs> you know, man, we sure need your help. So um, it's 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 all private funded. Um, you know, people can go through their closets and and, and drop off clothes, and and uh, we do shoe drives and and. Where would they drop? that off if somebody wanted yeah, to. Yeah, I mean, they can go on Facebook. There's a okay. rock program, Facebook page called the rock program and they can just hit us up. Okay. We have storage over there, um, across from the Y. All right. In that school there, uh, they gave us a portable. So, okay. so my wife is the one who kind of meets people there and, and, uh, and does that, but it's a, it's a great program man. it's, it's, it's really changing the culture of the oh, schools. It is. It is a great program. So what's going on now that school, you know, we're in the time that would be summer, so what's the plan? I guess if we're going back to in school, uh, in person school, then it'll just start back up in the fall. Yeah, we're hoping. We just had to find out how we're going to do it, right? Okay. So, so I think our volunteers are not going to be allowed on campus to start. So we had to figure that out. So mm -hmm. we work very well with the guidance counselors. So okay. maybe that the student can now go to the guidance counselor and okay get walked down there. We're not sure, and we have a new superintendent. So. You know, hopefully she's supportive of the program. You know, okay. so that's a, that's a kind of a nervous time for us too. Uh, it seems like she's going to be very supportive of it. You know, but but you never know. You don't. You know? It's hard to imagine that, that that would be the case, but I can imagine. Is there anything that you know 
we or those watching we can do to help? No, I think we're good, except for uh, on our social media and I post that we need help with so, shoes okay. or something. <laughs> yeah, just right. kind of jump in, you know. What about, I mean, do you, do you seek charitable contribution or, or monetary support for The Rock? Yeah, we do. Um, we haven't yet because I'm not okay. sure what it's going to look like. You know, and, and plus, everybody's just hurting, right, coming through COVID. And, and I just have the hardest time asking anybody for anything you know but at some point in time we're gonna have to get serious and you know we think we think we're gonna hold a fundraising breakfast you okay know, invite everybody through and because uh, we have fca and power too that's a part of the rock and and um you know that's a faith-based sports program right that, that we're we've, we're with fca now and and uh, we've had 120 kids give their life to Christ this year, which wow. is which has been really cool. Sure, you know it's all about giving them hope and giving them a purpose. You know because if you don't have those two things, uh, chances are you're not going to make it, man. You know, so if you can give those kids a, a purpose at an early age and give them hope at an early age, you know that's that's a huge step for them. So I've seen that you've organized a number of food drives um, for various, I think. Um, service workers and who else have you done that for? Has it been primarily for those that work in the food service industry? Yeah, we did. I think the first three or four weeks it was just for service industry, and then we opened it up with um, with uh, for everybody. You know, partnered up with uh, with uh, uh, Chris Pierce and Prestige yeah. and and uh, First Baptist Church mm -hmm. opened up. Where they're great enough to open up the doors, and then and then his compassion jumped on, and it just seemed like every week more people came and supported it and jumped on. So how many people have you served through that? Woo. A lot. A lot. <laughs> yeah, yeah, a lot. I mean, uh, we would average probably 500 cars uh, a day. The last one was probably about 1,000 cars, 1,200 cars. You know, and everybody that pulled in was said there was multiple family. And, yeah. and so, you know, I think our average was giving away about 34 to 38 tons of food every every Saturday. 38 tons. Yeah, of food. it was. Yeah, it was 18 wheelers. Just full. Wow. Yeah, everybody got everybody got that came through got a lot. They got an abundance, and and a lot of times they would text me back or put on social media that you know I shared it with three or four families on mm. you know uh, I mean, we would give away a case of tomatoes things right. like that you know. Um, so people would say that they shared it with the people on their block and, and things. So, so I guess my question with um, the the support for the Rock, you see that supports needed elsewhere. Mm -hmm. What what do you see as sort of our greatest need in the county right now? And I apologize. I know I didn't no, tell you. I, I just I, I I think I think the biggest the, the greatest need we in our county right now is is fathers. Yeah, we need fathers in our children's lives. You know, we need strong families again. Mm -hmm. You know, so much of 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 social media and the new whatever you want to read is just tearing the, the, the family model down. Yeah. And um, I don't think they see what the, the direct thing of it. I mean, if you look if you look at what happens when you don't have a father, a, a, a strong family, mm -hmm. if you look at the rate of those those kids going to jail, if you look at the rate of, of those kids uh, being abused, uh, uh, drugs, right. all that stuff, it's astounding. Yeah. I mean, you know, you're like 70% more likely to go to jail. Mm -hmm. and, and when I talk to the kids, like and when I go to um, uh, to the kids' attention center and all that, it's it's that same pattern. Right. You know, these kids have never had a chance in their life. And then when we see them in the rock, they never had a chance. You mm -hmm. know, a lot of times we think a kid's a bully or a thug or a piece of crap and or a punk, right? Yeah. You see that, right? You see a kid do something bad and we call him a punk. In reality, they're doing what they're perfectly designed to do. Mm -hmm. You know, we've designed them to do that. Yeah. And and so I think mentorship, 
you know, anybody, anybody that can be a part of a program that's doing great stuff for kids, our foster, our foster yeah. kid programs, um, that's our biggest need. We need, we need the, 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 the sentence that says it takes a village to raise a child is not a lie. Mm-hmm. We as a village need to raise these children because, not, yeah. because we used to have, you know, the dad would go off, you know, and then the mom was strong. Now we have mom without dad, and so if the mom's not strong, now you have just a lost kid. Right. You know, as a kid growing up, we all had friends with, that had uh, a messed up parents or crazy mm-hmm. parents, right? They were partying, but the grandparent was always strong, right? right? Or somebody in that family model was strong. You know, now we have that messed up parent is now a messed up grandparent who mm-hmm. raised another messed up parent, and it's yeah. just, um, it's just, a, it's just a factory, and it's getting worse and worse and worse. So. You know that's that's why supporting programs like The Rock and the Boys and Girls Club and yeah. and uh, Kid Central and all those those those, those ones that, that take care of you know Kimberly Center you know mm-hmm. the ones that take care of the kids it support those programs whether you support us or not find somebody who can use some help in supporting those programs yeah. because it's such a a daunting task and and going back to where where we went earlier we talked about eating an elephant you yeah. know. Um, we have to take the first step. You know, it's such a daunting task. There's so many kids need to be saved that sometimes you have no idea what to do. So, you know, the Bible says the heavens rejoice when one is saved. You know, and Jesus goes after the yeah. the, the one and leaves the ninety nine yeah, behind. Sure. So, so that shows me that one soul is important, and one soul should be important to us too. You know, Absolutely. so you know, it's up to us to find out who needs it and, and save one kid's life. Right. You know, help one parent. Uh, one young parent become a better parent. You know, I think that's the biggest need. That's such a great point because we look at it and you look at the the systemic problem, and it seems impossible to fix. Mm-hmm. But you can you can impact one person. Yeah, that's that's a that's a great message. And you never know what's going to happen to that one person you impact. Absolutely. So I think for like I've gone through everything that I kind of had. And this has been as amazing or more so than I had expected. Yeah. Before I kind of close this out, did you have anything else you wanted to talk about? You want to talk about where Mojo's is headed, or you want to like is there anything else that you want to cover before we sort yeah. of Yeah. Okay. Good man, you know, so as far as Mojo's, you know, we um we want to be the first Marion County restaurant to ever be a chain. You know, that's our that's our goal. You know, I have a I have a great leadership team. Yeah. Um, I have great employees. I think I have the best staff that I've ever had, uh, which I'm really really excited about. Sure. Um, you know, I want to I want to make Mojo so much more than a restaurant. You know, and I want my employees to have a purpose. You know, um, because when you give, like I said, when you give somebody a purpose, man, their whole life changes, right? Absolutely. You, your life focuses in, and, and you know what you're doing, and and so I, I hope that my staff, you know, I love when my staff buys a house or mm-hmm. buys a car or, you know, that's how I count my success, you know, is to is to make sure they have what they, what they need. And, and, I, and I think through the COVID thing, we we did a really good job. You know, we have a team pastor for every Mojo. So, mm-hmm. you know, so my folks have somebody to talk to. And and so I just want to really build our foundation of Mojo's. And our goal, hopefully, one day is, is to be is to be the first Marion County chain to come out. Sure. You know? Well, it feels like you're well on that path. Is that something that you can define that says, okay, I'm, I'm this, like, what is the marker to say, okay, we're ready to go outside of here? Well, um, so Leesburg is still struggling, right? Yeah. So um, that's the first Leesburg that doesn't have the, the, the relationships that we've built in Marion County or the, yeah. or the Rondo effect or whatever you want to call it. 
um, and we're struggling. You know, with this COVID thing, people are supporting their community restaurants, and we're not that yet in Leesburg. Mm. You know, so if Leesburg was was on fire and and it proved that the Mojo's model can work outside of Marion County, then that would be our driver to open up another one. But gotcha. it hasn't yet, so it's been a focus of ours to. You know, we were hitting some really good momentum coming into this March. I mean, hitting some good momentum in Leesburg, and then and then the COVID just killed right. us, man. And and unfortunately for us, a lot of our demographic around there is older, so they're mm-hmm. staying home, and and so it's going to be a challenge. But if if Leesburg caught on fire, uh, we would already have another one open. I got you. You know, so so that's our that's our indicator. Yeah. You know. Well, I know whenever I, we have people that visit from out of town, especially somebody that we've taken to Mojo's yeah. previously. That's what you know, they say, well, I definitely want to make sure we go buy awesome. Mojo's. Mm-hmm. And I think part of that is, you know, the consistency that you get when you go to a place like Mojo's. We can go to 240 Bellevue, wherever, and you know what you're getting. And mm-hmm. I think that's always key. So it feels from a consumer standpoint that you've got to be really close. It's a challenge. That's yeah. a challenge every single day. You know, I have somebody that his, his only job is to go around all the stores to make sure the food's consistent. And it's a challenge, man. I mean, it's like... It's like herding cats, you sure. know, and, uh, and um, it's it's a challenge. But I think we're getting closer and closer and closer. Yeah. So we're hoping that we're hoping that one day that that would be great. You know, we'll, we'll be able to bottle all of our sauces so they're sure. really consistent. You know, we make everything scratch made in the house. Mm-hmm. Each store makes their own stuff. Our dressings are all scratch made. Mm-hmm. So you know, it's a challenge to to make sure that whoever's working in all four stores makes the ranch the same right. every single day. And um, so there's a lot of room for error, you know, and uh, and sometimes we don't come through, right. man. But but uh, like I said, it feels close. It, it feels, feels close. close. You know, I, I just want to make Marion County proud of yeah. of, of of not only myself but of Mojo's. Well, That's I don't know if I can important. speak for all. I feel like I can though. I think Marion County is very proud. I mean, from you know the 2007 to 2009, and then rebuilding the restaurant, and then everything that you've done for the community. There's just no way everybody. In speaking personally, yeah. but then also kind of globally here, I appreciate everybody's that. very proud to have you as a part of the community for sure. I appreciate that absolutely. So, what was the origin of the Mojo's name? I'm a big blues guy, right? So, Mojo's has two different meanings. So, I'm also Cuban American, mm-hmm. and everything that that we eat growing up was marinated mojo, which is, um, but it both means the same thing. So, because um, there is a there is a, a deep a voodoo culture mm-hmm. and 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 our in the Cuban and it's called something sure. else, you know. Um, right. So that's that came over with the slaves, also the same you know the same uh, religion that came over mm-hmm. to New Orleans and all that. So so that word mo- mojo has the same meaning and it it means a uh, a magic, you know, or or uh, an aura, okay. a karma, you know. Uh, when you got your mojo oh, working, that's cool. man. Yeah. Like Fonzie, right? right? Fonzie back in the day, man, he had he had his measure working at all times, right? Nice. Um, uh, so that's what that means. And on the food too, when, you know, when when we use mojo on it, you know, you you add that that extra little True. seasoning to it. So it was a double meaning for me. But I'm a big blues guy, man. I just yeah. absolutely love the blues. Well, and it permeates the restaurants. Yeah. yeah. We, when we went on Friday, my daughter, who's seven, she goes. Hey, those guys that are always here have the mask on, and I look around, and she's pointing at the Blues Brothers. Oh, yeah. You know, they're wearing their masks. Yeah, yeah that's yeah. awesome. So that's a great part about Mojo's, man. If you look at Mojo's, it's it is it is me cut in half. Yeah, I mean, for sure. I love the color blue, obviously, mm-hmm. right? And uh, I love the blues. You know, I love um, I just I just love music. I love mm-hmm. the animal from 
from the Muppets. So he's oh, hanging sure, upside down on every single yeah. drummer. He, he's hanging from every single drum and every mojo's. Yeah, you know, I didn't notice. I've noticed it in, on 40. Now that you mention it, yeah, okay. Oh, that's great. Every single one, man. Yeah. You know, I love Elvis. So every every uh, every Elvis every Mojo has an Elvis Velvet Elvis. Oh, okay. Know? I have a Velvet Elvis collection at two hundred. Yeah, in that in, in the, the private room. In the room, yeah. <laughs> yeah so mm-hmm. it's really cool, man, to be able to take your personality and what you're passionate about and throw it on the wall. Well, and know? to see it resonate with everybody, you know, yeah. to see it kind of come through. That's that's pretty cool. Yes, sir. So talk to me about how how each restaurant's decorated. Yeah, so my wife knows me, right? And my wife knows what I'm passionate about and what I love and she takes my vision and she makes it come to fruition mm-hmm. and um, it's not always been perfect you know we, we never fight never ever argue until we go to decorate a restaurant um, and because uh, she's as stubborn as I am you mm-hmm. know but uh, just about everything you see in Mojo's is, is her design oh. and um, she's got a good eye she has a phenomenal eye sure. and it come, it's, we're to the point now where we're not arguing about decoration you know um, congratulations yeah yeah it's been it's been huge you know leesburg was a lot of i would leave out angry and i mean i'm telling you, we never argue right never argue but when it comes to decorating the restaurant man you know because she lets her stubbornness come out sure. and, and so do i and, and but uh but everything you see inside mojo's as far as color scheme and everything is all her and she's amazing yeah it's yeah. it's incredible what i what i think is um a real testament to that is just the consistency among the restaurants because they each have their own flavor and feel, but you can see that theme kind of yeah. come through. Yeah, that was a goal to have a couple of uh, uh, standout points that you just know you're in a mojo's when you yeah. see it. Yep. Especially when you're sitting underneath a, a drum set, you know, with an animal, <laughs> with an animal hanging up. Hang so, you mentioned that obviously faith's a big part of your life, mm-hmm. you have a strong management team, you guys have so many challenges. So what what is it that inspires you? How do you stay so passionate and so energetic? Man, that's a good question. Um, just knowing that what you're doing is right mm-hmm. uh, keeps your passion going. It's it's really tough, but um, but you have to have that mentality, right? So all over my body, I have important scripture tattooed to me. I know it says in the Bible, don't have tattoos, but I'll have to deal with that with Jesus later on. I saw a, a speaker <laughs> yeah. that had that verse of Leviticus tattooed on his arm oh really yeah so you know so on, on my right knee it says luke twelve forty eight, which said much is given much is expected and i gave my life to christ and uh when i was 40 so um, this next week will be six years mm-hmm. and um it just it just changed me and realized that the way he changed my life and the way that he put my life in perspective means that i've been given much and that's why I feel like much has been given. Mm-hmm. So that keeps me to, to continue to have the passion. And when I do his work and when I do those things that he asked me to do, uh, they work, right? So when I provide, when God puts me in an uncomfortable position to, for instance, we did a, we did a, a panel of mixed pastors to talk about race. Yeah. You know, and I was physically sick going into that. That was the one time I had anxiety and worried because I didn't feel like I had a right to call a bunch of pastors and business leaders together to talk about something like that. Sure. You know? And and I and I just kept hearing God tell me to do that. Yeah. And we did it and I kept trying to make it work the way I wanted to work and I was fumbling and bumbling. And then finally I just said, Man, God, you called us to be here. You take over. Sure. And then when I let that happen I was so emotional on the way home. I was crying on the way home because it turned out 
far better than I could ever dream it would ever turn out. And and our goals that we set for the evening were so far surpassed that when you let him do that, and that's what builds my faith, you know. And then whenever I feel like I don't want to do something that I hear him call me to do, I have sent me Isaiah 6, 8. Mm-hmm. You have to have that mentality. You know, all through the Bible, he's asking for people to do things for him. And so that's what gets me out of bed at night, you know, to do those types of things. If we don't care for those those kids that we do for every day at the rock who's going to right you know i'm sure somebody might step up into our absence but that's not a chance i'm going to take so um whenever it's it's whenever i'm scared whenever i'm intimidated um which doesn't happen much for me and then that's because i i know i have the strength that god gives me so in ephesians 119 it says we have an incomparably great power for those who believe i rely on that power every single mm. day of my life you know and not only that, but it almost makes you feel like a superhero. Like, we can get through anything. I mean, I say yes to some crazy, stupid stuff, you know. And next thing you know, we have 18-wheelers and right. all the community yeah. leaders, and we're feeding 40 tons of food. And that's that's not me. That's not Chris Spears. That's not his compassion. Right. That's God. Just, like, get out of my way and let me, let me show you how to do this. It takes a lot of guts, though, to, like, really ask God, what do you want of me, and then to act on it. Because I know a lot of us are too scared to ask because we don't want to have to act. Yeah. So. And and you know what's funny, man, is God talks to you every single day. You know, it's just up to us to to, to be able to listen and learn to it and sure. be available. You know, and, and then just do your fundamentals, man. You know, every time in my life, every time that I don't feel like getting out of bed, every every time that I feel timid is because I, I've strayed from my fundamentals. Mm. You know, my pastor would be like, hey, did you, uh, did you read the Bible? No. Uh, have, you, have you been praying? No. Have you, have you been going to church? No. It's like, no, no wonder you're struggling, right. bro, you know? And then also, too, I have a, I have a team of pastors that minister to me. Yeah, I need it. Mm. You know, I, I call, um, my life is like a bowling alley, you know? And, and uh, you know those bumpers that you put up for your kids? Oh, sure. Yeah. You know? I need those bumpers in my life. If not, I go straight in the gutter. Yeah. So I have, I just surround myself with people that I call my bumpers. Right. That keep me straight. And um, That's a great analogy. And not only my pastor, is he awesome? He struggled with a lot of the same things I did. You know, we're too much alike. Right. So, um, uh, so I have a pastor that I reach on. He's a very well thought, planning, cerebral pastor. Mm-hmm. You know, I, I'm just blessed to have those people in my life that I can use as mentors and call on. Whenever I'm um, kind of second guessing something, sure. you know, I have a group of guys, my small group, my men's group. Mm. Um, those guys hold me up every single day. You know, um, I struggle all the time. You know, but to have the, that my men's group, you know, a, a group of guys. I went in my men's group one time, just really struggling with an issue, and I was so embarrassed to say it. You know, and then finally at the end, I kind of broke down and just kind of blurted it out. And we we're supposed to be leaving at the time. Right. And come to find out, man, the, the guy going across from me, he's dealing with that. You know, the, the older guy at the end of the table, he went through it five years ago. And this guy is dealing with, you know, and it's like, man, we just lifted each other up out of it. And, and, and that's, what's, that's, what's, that's what's important. And that's what, when you set those kind of people around your life. Like when I lost Rondos, I set the wrong people around in my right. life. And then when it's, it's like the, I can talk the Bible all day long. It's like the paralyzed guy, right? You know, mm-hmm. his four buddies 
took him to go. They, you know, he, he the one thing he did right was surround himself with four guys that right. wanted to, that loved him and that would do anything they could to get them to, to win to where he needed to be. You know what I mean? And my life didn't change until I did that. And that's a message that I give to my football players. That's a message I give to these kids that come to the Rock. Uh, you know, so you have to surround yourself mm-hmm. with people that want to see you win. Yeah. You know, because misery loves company. As I was a testament to that because I was miserable in my early life and I tried to get everybody. I figured if I can get everybody to do wrong, then everybody's doing right. Yeah. <laughs> it's got to be right if everybody's right. doing wrong. And I was a leader. You know, I've always been a leader in everything I've done for good and bad. You know, so when I say my God gives me my strength to continue to go every single day, He absolutely gives me the strength to go every single sure. day. So it sounds like a lot of your story kind of boils down to your faith and then the, the people that you have around you, you know, and that's, it's beautiful that you share that with kids. I'm, I'm going to need you to come to my house maybe and share it with, with, with <laughs> oh, mine. Man. I will put my foot in the kid's butt, man. I ain't going to lie to you. You know, and, and, and just like, you know, that, that two weeks of my time when it was woe and me, woe was me in 2005, you know, having my wife and my four kids look mm-hmm. at me and, and know they believed in me um, was starting point number one for me. Wow. You know, so I could have, I could have, I could have given up. And if I didn't yeah. have them, I probably would have been on another drug tirade or, mm-hmm. or went out drinking and try to do what a lot of people often do. And they'll yeah. try to drown, the, drown that memory away. It just takes it down that, that but I had spiral. A, you know, my back wasn't up against the wall because my wife was between the wall and me. Mm-hmm. So that's why... Um, that's why I didn't fail, you know, yeah. because I had those people that believed in me to, to move me forward. And um, when you have those people, that gives you that purpose in your life. And, you know, when we get touted for a lot of community stuff that we do, but for as many people say that I've done for them, they've done for me. You know, um, giving back and having that purpose in my life keeps me straight. It keeps right. me from falling to temptation. It keeps me from... You know, I have a purpose in my life. I have hope in my life. You know, I live a guilt-free life for the first time ever, you know. And and, and I think it's important that we try to help everybody that's incredible. find that life. Yeah, that's know? incredible. It shines through. Whenever I see you um, out doing another, you know, giveaway or, or another food drive, or another, I think to myself, where is this energy coming from? You know, because I just get to the end of the day and I'm like, oh, I'm so yeah. exhausted. It's incredible to watch you do that stuff. Yeah, you got to hang out at the end, man, when I'm chafing and cussing <laughs> and bet. screaming. And you know, that last that last food distribution, man, I, I was <laughs> I was not in a good place at the end of it because the cars just kept coming, man. And I wasn't giving joyfully like God asked me to. But you were there. You were there. <laughs> there. Yeah. But I was sure. I was like, pull up. You know, screaming at people, you know. Um, so not all the time energy's there, but, you know, I, I'm going to share one I started with you, you know, so when it goes to that trunk or treat, you know, our first trunk or treat, the trunk or treat started um, by all these kids that didn't have costumes, and so um, it started by having Children's Home Society and Interfaith and Kid Central, you know, having a, a trunk or treat for those types of kids, we would do a costume uh, 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 drive, and, um, you know, at the end of the first trunk or treat, it was over there by the police department, Everybody left. Mm. All the volunteers left. All my staff mm. left. And here's all these hay bales and trash and garbage out oh. in the parking lot. So, man, I'm my back's hurting. My feet are hurting. And uh, I was mad. And here comes this little bumblebee, you know. And, and she was a four-year-old whom her mom asked for a bumblebee costume. And she just kind of hugged my leg and said thank you. And, 
That was it. We've never second guessed another trunk or treat after that. You know, that little bumblebee. Really turned around that situation. Yeah, I wasn't cussing and and mad anymore Mm -hmm. after that. You know, it just kind of just shows you, man. So that's what I mean. When when you do something like that and you make a difference in somebody, you know, uh, it also, also, a lot of times you think you're saving them, but it also saves you. Totally relate. It gives you a purpose, man. Definitely. Having that purpose in my life is, is what keeps me going. Yeah. Wow. That's incredible. Rondo, thank you so much for joining us. Again, thank you so much for watching Ocala Hustle. Uh, please subscribe for future episodes like this. And uh, you know, as Rondo shared, there's so much to be done in this community. You know, look for a way that you can change that one life. Thanks so much.